to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Welcome to Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. I'm Katrina Rowe, a writer, broadcaster and podcaster based in the Riverina of New South Wales. Dr. Paul Rowe, the Outback historian, is a storyteller from the back of Burke, and together we are retelling the tales of some of Australia's invisible heroes, pioneers and visionaries. These are the forgotten folks who made a huge contribution to Australia. Many of them spoke up on behalf of Australia's most marginalised and invisible people. Most were leaders in their field, but all of them were following the invisible footsteps of their own leader, the carpenter and teacher from Nazareth. I hope you'll enjoy learning about some of the true characters who have shaped our Australian way of life. In our final episode of Australia's Invisible History, we're travelling to Central Australia in the Northern Territory. Moses Chakoboto was born at La Prapunya, also known as Ellery Creek, in around 1872. In his early years, Moses was educated in traditional Arunta ways by his elders, but came to the Hermansburg Mission while still a child. He passionately embraced the Christian faith and taught the Arunta language to the missionaries, helping to translate the Bible and their sermons into the local language. But he later became a preacher and evangelist in his own right. He was affectionately known as Blind Moses. People always spoke about him being kind. Uh, he was winsome. He, he could make friends amongst the white and the Aranda people, and just uh, that he spread happiness where he went. Uh, he was a joyful sort of man as well, loved storytelling. And I think one of the other distinctives was music. Even as a boy, one of the first things he did was to teach some of his family uh, songs about Jesus. Moses Chalkaboda was a charismatic and well-known personality in Central Australia. Raised on the Hermansburg Mission, he spent his early years living traditionally with his parents before zealously embracing the Christian faith. Although he was blind, he travelled vast distances over Central Australia to preach to Aboriginal people in their communities. Reputed as a master storyteller, he attracted large crowds whenever he preached in public. To tell us more about this remarkable man, joined as always by Dr. Paul Rowe, the Outback historian. Hi, Paul. Yes, and how good to be talking about another storyteller. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Well, Moses Chokoboda was born sometime between 1869 and 1872. We don't know exactly when, but he spent his early years travelling around with his parents in Central Australia. What was going on at that time, Paul, that brought them to the Hermansburg Mission? Well, yeah, it was a time of enormous change on the frontier. It was called the frontier at the time. It really was the Wild West. The missionaries themselves, uh, those Lutheran missionaries, mostly German, coming from South Australia, actually took 20 months, you know, coming by covered wagon and all that sort of thing. It looks very much like an American scene mm. uh, and battled their way there, arrived absolutely exhausted and in a very stressful condition. So they had a pretty tough journey. But at the time, even amongst the Aboriginal people, there had been a very big massacre of one group of Aboriginals of another. And Moses, somehow he witnessed it or he knew about it. And that had a powerful effect on him as a boy. And I think people have said that may be one of the things that turned him away from 
the traditional way of living and was attracted to the Christian message. So when the missionaries finally set up camp there at, and, and battled away to get the station begun at Hermansburg, he was drawn into that circle and began to hear a new way of thinking. So he lived very much a, a traditional Aboriginal existence for the first years of his life. And then he was very much immersed in mission life. His parents eventually let him go to school there. How did he bridge those two different cultures? Well, you've got to remember at the time, Katrina, that uh, what drove the Aranda people to the mission was the, the enormous, terrible things that were happening to them. Uh, the settlers were really treating them very brutally. Many of the settlers were brutally attacking them. They were being shot. They were being sort of made into slaves, basically, and the women taken. So they were pretty fear- fearful. They were, they were scared. And so the mission, the missionaries got there early, which was an interesting thing. They were a couple of years before the settlers. So they already had a chance to establish themselves as, you know, peaceful people who weren't there to do damage to the Aboriginal people. And that mm-hmm. gave them a sort of a head start in a way, which didn't happen always in other places. And that also made them, because they were German-speaking missionaries and they, they didn't bring English with them, they paid great attention to their Rwanda language. They, it was desperate for them to know how to speak it. And so one of the distinctives of the Hermansburg mission was its great respect for their Rwanda language. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, and so he was baptised in 1890 and he took on this name Moses, but he also went through a traditional initiation mm. with the Aranta people as well. So obviously he still really wanted to be part of, I guess, his traditional culture at the same time. And then he got married in 1903 to a lady called Sophia. Do we know anything about their marriage? or Not a great deal, but they had quite a few kids and sadly they lost a lot of children. So while he himself became blind at 30 and uh, I think a, a number of his children died very early, so there was a lot of sadness uh, in his family, but that was happening everywhere. There was a very high uh, mortality rate for the Aboriginal people because they just didn't have resistance to the diseases that were coming with the, the settlers. And uh, so there there was a lot of stress for him and his family, uh, and that's part of the reason they they got married and and became part of the the German settlement there. And uh, he he adapted into the missionary's way of life, although I think that's his distinctive. He managed to keep his feet in both camps. He, He was traditional. He knew the traditional ways, and he could speak to the people in a traditional voice, if you like. But he also understood... More, not so much what the German culture had brought to him, but what the Bible culture had brought to them. And I think that was probably one of the amazing things that he was able to do. That was his great skill as a diplomat, as a translator, as a go-between, if you like, between the two cultures. Paul, he wasn't blind as a child. How did he become blind? I think he got measles, you know, as simple as that. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a sad thing. But he didn't let that stop him. And uh, he was famous, of course, for his walking tours. And uh, the missionaries I've talked to, they, they said, yeah, that's one of the distinctives that he had, uh, that he, he would walk and he'd evangelise as he went. And the Lutherans uh, were quite willing to sort of anoint him, if you like, as, a, as an evangelist. They might have made him a, a full, full-fledged preacher. But he certainly played that role, and he was a very charismatic speaker. Apparently, he spoke with great authority and dignity and skill. I think, Katrina, one of the things I've I've learned listening to these missionaries I talked to was that uh, 
the power of the heart language. You know, when when he began to understand the story of Jesus, for example, in his own language, uh, it spoke to his heart. You know, that's that's the thing. It bridges across cultures. And uh, I think that was one of the great gifts the missionaries gave to the Aranda people and, and Aboriginal people everywhere, actually, the skills of translating their language and then having the Bible in their own language. Yeah, well, it's interesting that when Pastor Albrecht first arrived at the mission and he couldn't speak any of the Aranta language, he would write his sermons and then Moses would translate them and actually translate deliver them. them. And yeah. then there's this description where Albrecht says, his entire appearance and bearing in front of the congregation had a noble aspect. We were struck by its great warmth and eloquence, even if we could not understand what he said. So even, you know, that's the first week when the new missionaries arrived, they could see that he had a really powerful way of speaking. Definitely, and uh, his own people heard him the same way, and so there were a, there was a steady flow of Aranda people becoming Christians and being baptized. I think one of the things about this story, Katrina, we you know you asked me I think before we began, you know, is this really a significant story for Australia? Um, I think one of the distinctives of this story is that even though it's not an Australia-wide story in the sense, and he's not a high-profile individual. When you look at the story, you realize this man played a very significant role straddling the two cultures, becoming an evangelist, speaking to his own people in their heart language and helping them understand the missionaries and the missionaries understand his own people. And even though the numbers weren't large, you know, the the numbers of people becoming Christians was maybe in the hundreds. It wasn't like there were tens of thousands, but nevertheless, in that very remote area, it was very, very distinctive and very, very important. And I think a very real chapter in our Australian story because, you know, we tend to hear negatives about the missionaries and, the, you know, that they didn't understand and so on and so on. And sure, they, they, they were people of their own culture in their own time. But at the same time, they had a great love for the people. They, they were strong in educating them, sometimes too strong, a bit strict. But they did love them and they did want to give them this language and they did want to give them this message and give them an opportunity to really understand Jesus. And I think that was his great gift. Mm. So you mentioned that you were able to speak to some missionaries that actually knew Blind Moses and that they had some memories of him. Do you want to share with us a little bit of what you've heard firsthand about his life? Yeah, Ken Hansen and his wife, they they had actually um, spent 40-plus years, I think, living in the tribe next door to the Aranda people. So they heard, heard a lot about Blind Moses and the people that they went to. I think Blind Moses was one of the links that uh, got them to invite the missionaries to come into their area and to actually live with them and to translate their language. And so step by step, that's what happened. And they, they told Ken this story of uh, Moses going down when the people were very upset down in the, the river beside the Hermansburg mission and getting ready to start a fight. And he, he talked them down. He said, no, no, Jesus told us we've got to love our enemies. These people don't understand our culture, but that's all, that's okay. We need to sort of be forgiving and we need to learn a way of gentleness and to put aside that sort of revenge killing or harsh response and learn a new way of doing it. And I think uh, that was his great, great gift. And I think he, he also, Katrina, he developed a heart for his reaching out beyond his own people. It was interesting after the Pastor Strello died, 
and uh, he, he spoke like this. He said, God has so far not heard our prayers for a successor to missionaries, Jello. He has done this with the object that we ourselves should become active in this cause. We must not idle away our time. God's command, go you and teach the nations, is also meant for this congregation, especially as we have the word of God for the last 50 years. It's now our highest time that we carry the gospel to those in darkness. If not, then God could take his word away from us. We must be faithful to our talent. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? He's only just, they've only had the gospel and the Christian message for a short time, but he's saying, you know, we've got a responsibility to start sharing that beyond ourselves. So that gives you a measure of the man. You know, that's quite a vision for a man living in a very remote area, and it tells me something about his heart. I think it's really noticeable that he initially just worked on the mission and was part of what they were doing, but then later kind of took on his own ministry, yeah. travelling around, visiting all these isolated places and and sort of preaching in his own right, I guess, travelling with his own crew. So when he did travel to these different areas, how was he received? Well, I think he seemed to gain quite a quite a high status. I can't speak with great authority on that. Judging what Ken told me, that the neighbouring tribes had great respect for Blind Moses, and in fact, even beyond that, I think even in the the settlers culture too, he gradually uh, gained status, and he was a man of charisma and dignity. Do we know much about his personality or what he was like in in a personal sense? People always spoke about him being kind. Uh, he was winsome. He, he could make friends amongst the white and the Aranda people. And just uh, that he spread happiness where he went. Uh, he was a joyful sort of man as well, loved storytelling. Um, and I think one of the other distinctives was music. Even as a boy, one of the first things he did was to teach some of his family uh, songs about Jesus. And I've, I've noted this in other stories I've read that uh, – Music is a great bridge uh, into into people's lives. And you may remember in recent times, uh, Katrina, there was a pretty popular documentary called The Song Keepers, and it was about Aranda women mostly, but some men, who'd been singing the, the hymns these missionaries had taught them for 70 years up until just the last few years. And a choir leader came and trained them, and, and they brought all these hymns back to life. And I was watching a little bit of the doco today, and the lady said, Music bridges cultures, you know, it speaks to us all. And that choir leader, he took that group of Aboriginal people um, and he, he trained them and he, then he took them back, would you believe, to Germany, to Hermannsburg, to the very place where those missionaries had come from hmm. 150 years ago. And uh, there's a beautiful scene where they walk into the church in their traditional coloured dress and, and shirts and things, uh, singing these well-known German hymns in Aranda as they'd been taught by the missionaries and as Blind Moses had been part of that process of translating these hymns into their own language. And it's a very powerful and wonderful moment, you know, where the, here's these two totally different cultures meeting after all these years, and it was the music and it was the story of Jesus that brought them together. That's beautiful. I think it's wonderful too that because of the work that Blind Moses and others did in helping to translate the Bible into the Aranta language, that that actually helped to preserve that language and has been a really good you know, written source of information about the language as well. So that's pretty special too. 
Well, absolutely. And I think it's something we, we probably, it's a hidden thing in Australia, Katrina. It's a hidden story. It's one of the invisible stories. And as I mentioned about my friend Ken Hansen, I mean, 46 years they, he and his wife spent out there translating two or three languages. And then he's now in his 80s and he's, he's still working on a dictionary. And uh, he told me that the people he'd worked amongst had written 500 hymns of their own in their own language. Wow. <laughs> That's quite an extraordinary thing, isn't it? And I think that that's sort of all part of this Blind Moses story that the heart language and then music, it sort of reaches across boundaries and it lights lights up the human spirit in us all and there's that great bridge. It's a, it's a beautiful story. So that's why I think his, his story is so powerful. It might be small in numbers, but I think it's big in its implications. Mm, I think it would be really interesting to get out to that Hermansburg wish in one day and visit that place because a lot of stories link back to there, don't they? Albert Namajira and yeah. many others, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. They're a very creative group of people. We've got country singers and all sorts of things going on there. But um, mm. that's a nice thing about the Christian gospel when it's liberated from a cultural packages that it comes in, whether it's German or English or whatever, to another culture, once it's set free of those boundaries, it's a very powerful thing. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. It's a great story. Thank you so much for a great year of storytelling. Thank you. That's the Outback historian, Dr. Paul Rowe. We've been talking about the evangelist, Moses Chalkabota, also known as Blind Moses. Paul's book is called Tell Me Another, A Storyteller's Search for Australia's Lost Faith, and you can find him online at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. You can find me at katrinarow.com or on Insta or Facebook as Katrina Rowe Author. Thanks for listening to Episode 30 of Australia's Invisible History, the podcast where we make the invisible visible. I hope you've enjoyed learning about the orator and evangelist, Blind Moses. You can find more links and info about him in our notes section. This is our final episode of Australia's Invisible History for now. If you've only just found us, I hope you'll enjoy all 30 episodes and that you'll come away inspired to learn about the diverse people of faith who have helped to shape the nation of Australia. If you've enjoyed our stories, please share them with your family, friends, students or colleagues. You can find more stories and follow Dr. Paul Rowe at theoutbackhistorian.com.au. I'm Katrina Rowe. You can find me on Facebook or Insta as Katrina Rowe Author or at katrinarowe.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Australia's Invisible History, please do subscribe and share among your friends. Plus, you can find more details and useful links in the show notes. Hope 1032. Thanks for listening.